It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors lost a game last night to the Denver Nuggets in which their defense was not very good. Scotty Barnes was awesome, and the lineup decisions were a little bit baffling. Stop me if you've heard this before. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, December the 21st, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's busted at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, you can come hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server, a great spot to be after wins, after losses, in between games, whenever you just want to talk a little about video games or music or whatever is on your mind. It's all in there. Come be part of our listener family over there on the Discord. Link is in the description and it's free to join. We'll see you there. Uh, of course, you can find the show for free. Wherever you get your podcast, please follow, subscribe to, rate, and review on the audio side of things. The ratings and reviews are very, very nice, especially this time of year. It can be your little holiday present to me. Uh, and you, you, of course, can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Hit the little notification bell so you never miss an episode when it goes live, which is a perfect thing for our everydayers out there to go and do. All right, let's get to it. On today's show, we're breaking down a 113 104 Toronto Raptors loss to the Denver Nuggets, which look, they're the defending champions. They have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. You're probably going to lose to the Denver Nuggets, but as we'll get into with today's guest, Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic, a lot of similar notes, I would say, for the Raptors in this one, despite it being against an yeah. opponent that you can kind of be okay losing to. There were some bright spots, in particular, Scotty Barnes, 30, 10, and 5, doing the Scotty Barnes thing. He's been pretty bloody consistent lately. It's pretty exciting. He's been awesome. And the rest of the team around him kind of did not pull the weight in this one. There were some good performances we'll get to. We'll get to Precious Achua, who I thought was really nice in this game. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later. But Jamar, I, I guess we should just kind of start with the stuff that we know. The, the the routine sort of talking points that we have after these games because they feel like they're the exact same every time. I will say I think the shape of it is a little bit little different in this one. The starters were actually like a positive in this game, which is a very rare occurrence. So good for them, I suppose. Um, you know, 
outside of Scotty Barnes and maybe Pascal Siakam for a couple stretches. I don't think any of the starters exactly covered themselves in glory in this game, but the lineup itself was pretty positive. That said, you have Dennis Schroeder going Dennis Schroeder mode down the stretch. You have uh, a late sub in for Pascal Siakam with only five and a half minutes to go with the game. Still very much gettable at that point. That's been a bit of a perplexing thing, the late subs for Pascal. Uh, and again, just kind of a lot of stuff we know with this team. The defense not very good. Where do you want to start with this one, Jamar? It did feel very much like uh, the Groundhog Day effect once again taking place for your Toronto Raptors. But maybe there was some different stuff you pointed out. What'd you, what would you got? Well, let's start with the starters because obviously mm -hmm. it's becoming laughable at this point, but the Raptors have not won a first quarter since November 29th against the Suns. <laughs> Meaning that's a stretch of eight games. The Raptors have not won a first quarter all month. They were down nine, 29 to 20 after the first quarter. They were down 17 at the half. Mm -hmm. The starters did actually end up being a plus three. Thanks to Keeks for that. But yeah, it's the same question we keep asking, and now Jack is openly asking it on the broadcast about, you know, when are the Raptors going to make a change to the lineup? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it's been focused around Dennis Schroeder. Darko was asked about this post game about, you know, what the thought process he has in regards to making a lineup. He mentioned a couple of things about how um, if he were to make a lineup change, it would actually shorten his rotation, and he doesn't know if he wants to go that route right now. Also, Jacoperto um, hasn't had the greatest stretch of late. His minutes have been dwindling as well. And just the way Darko was answering those questions about, you know, wanting to talk to Jakob and hopefully, you know, he can get back on track as soon as possible. It feels like if Darko was going to make a starting lineup change, he'd go against the grain of what everybody's thinking. And he would actually mm -hmm. start small instead of starting. Instead of every, most people are thinking um, bench Dennis for uh, – Gary Trent, Gary, yeah, mm -hmm. but I feel like Darko would actually still bring in Gary, but probably bench Jakob instead. That's just yeah. the, that's just my guess of the way, and maybe I should have put this as my hmm, but that's just the way I feel like he's going to go. I feel like he still wouldn't sit Dennis, which will probably infuriate some people. But yeah, you talk about him taking over in the fourth. Uh, what was his his usage rate was like in the 40s in the fourth quarter of this game? Yeah, I mean, he took four shots. Precious took five, which, hey, Precious was going off. Go nuts. Precious was um, going off. But, yeah, you had four shots for Dennis Schroeder down the stretch, a wide-open brick three. He had a turnover that was well that was just like a really hopeless bounce pass in the feet of the defender trying to get it to Scotty Barnes uh, and just kind of some baffling decisions, whereas Scotty Barnes and Pascal combined for four-shot attempts together in the fourth quarter, despite being basically uh, without answer on the Denver Nuggets side of things all night long. Great stuff. <laughs> and then um, you mentioned, you know, the defense – Defense, I mean, they've had worse defensive efforts recently, but sure. I saw a few notes from other people about OG and Anobi's defense specifically kind of mm -hmm. tapering off in the last few games. What have you seen in that? Have you seen anything there? I, yeah, I've been talking about this for a little bit now. Like, he's not the all-world defender he was last season. I think part of it's scheme, right? Like, he's not being asked to go and hawk steals like he was last year when he led the league in steals. Yeah, he's being asked to true. play more of a conservative style. They're, having, they're bringing less help um, in the middle of the floor. And so that's naturally going to affect the sort of counting stats. But in general, I mean, think of the number of times in the last few years you've been able to throw OGN and Obi on a guard who's going off and shut him down. 
Jamal Murray was getting his way in this game, even when OG was guarding him. And I think we've seen this a little bit. Like he's been maybe like 15% less impactful as a as an on-ball wing defender this season than he was last year, where he was just terrorizing dudes nonstop. And if he's 15% less of a defender in those on-ball situations, that's pretty significant considering the offensive growth from him has not been there, you know, and I, and I think at this point, like the mythical OG Ananobi offensive leap, it's just not coming, man. Like he's a very good play finisher. He's an excellent three point shooter. He throws down chin up dunks under the rim. That's all well and good, but you put the ball in his hands and he's not creating much. We saw a flash of it last night where the Raptors ran that OG plus bench lineup to start the fourth quarter. And I think they got lucky into to not lose those minutes. And that lineup yeah. actually acquitted itself really nicely. They ran a zone. It worked pretty well. But OG was not creating stuff in that lineup. And that's the time for him to go and do that. I just don't think it's coming. And so if OG is 85% of the defender he was last season, can you justify paying him near max money? Like that is a real question with the offensive limitations he has. You can justify it if he is a no doubt, no brainer, all defense guy. I don't think he's been that this year, and I think that matters. And it's not to say he's bad. It's not to say he's he's fallen off, you know, to a hilarious degree. But wing defense is this thing where it's hard to have the same impact as a big. And if you're not doing it at sort of like a unicorn level like OG was last season, then the the cracks start to show a little bit more. And so, yeah, I think that's been a big thing. Uh, two more points regarding Jokic and Murray. So. Yeah. I feel like you can live with what Murray did last game. I mean, this game he had twenty sure. points, but he needed twenty-two shots to get it. So mm-hmm. if you if you make him a volume shooter like that, I think you'll live with that. Sure. Regarding Jokic, though, obviously they they I mean, they've had success in the past putting an OG uh, on Jokic. Even um, I think Scott Scotty's guarded Jokic at length in, in past seasons. Uh, they threw a different bunch of different bodies at him. Would it be? Ananobi sometimes, Portal sometimes. Course Siakam got cooked a couple times, man. The, yeah, you can't guard Jokic. This is not a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think I think uh, the Nuggets were hunting this like when the Raptors would switch, and then mm-hmm. he would end up on with a Gary on him, or even worse, he'd have Malachi Flynn on him. So that didn't help. And then obviously, you know, the last five minutes of the game, I think the Nuggets scored on five straight possessions after Precious cut the lead to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically it was basically what Denver used to win the finals, just your Jokic Murray two man game. And mm-hmm. the, I think the backbreaking one was when Jokic was, I think Boucher was on KCP in the corner yep. and then, you know, overhelping on Jokic and he's just, he's going to find, especially strong side. He's going to mm-hmm. find that guy easily. And then that's kind of how the game went awry where, I mean, well, it's that's life. It, it's well, Jokic, how much you can you yeah. how much you need to do about Jokic? That's what, so yeah. like in terms of overall defensively, I'm not even really all that mad about this game. This is not like Charlotte going Charlotte going off or Atlanta's dropping 130 points at will, <laughs> even though they are a good offensive team. I, I don't think I was too angry about the defense, but I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was not their best. They actually they, no. they did hold the Nuggets to a worse half court offensive rating than the Raptors were able to put up in this game against Denver's defense, which is interesting. Um, that's a little uh, little look ahead to the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later on. That's a what we call a tease in the business. But uh, yeah, I think the thing with me with Jokic, like I think this is where. It's not about the results necessarily of the defense last night. I thought the the results were fine. They really tightened the screws in the second half compared to what it was in the first. The first, they were kind of porous. But, you know, for me, I know they went to that zone and it worked a little bit. 
you are playing with fire playing a zone against Nikola Jokic yeah. and giving yeah. up the middle to Nikola Jokic. And to me, that was kind of like a bit of like, really, Darko? Like, this is where you're going zone? Like, we've not seen a whole lot of zone packages from this team all season long. Of course, they were famed for it under Nick Nurse. And to bust it out when Nikola Jokic is roaming around the middle of the floor, you're trying to come back in a game. It worked. So credit to them, I guess. They got some lucky sort of shot variants in that spot. But there were a couple times where Jokic is in the middle. And as much as you can try to keep a guy in the zone sort of tagging him and, and in his face, you give him the ball at the free throw line with one guy on him to beat. He's going to beat you. He's Nikola freaking Jokic. And so I didn't love the way they went about handling Jokic in this game. I don't think there was enough OG on him, frankly. I think there was a little too much of the sort of different looks that they threw. OG's been historically very successful in that matchup. And so, yeah, a bit of, I suppose, a different tone to some of the things that went wrong in this game. But I think a lot of the through lines continue. Just the strange lack of a defensive identity, which, by the way, we're talking about on tomorrow's podcast with Dave Dufour from The Athletics, so keep an eye out. Um, but yeah, the, the the lack of defensive identity, the strange lineup choices, the entirely too much Dennis Schroeder, all of that comes in uh, to play in a loss that follows a lot of the same script notes that previous Raptors losses have. One thing that was different, Jamar, was the closing lineup. For the second straight game, the Raptors went away from the starters to close, which is good. That's baby steps, progress, baby. We are going to talk about Precious Achua and his performance and what's become a bit of a trend of Precious Achua being really darn good. We're going to get to that in just one second here. Today's show is brought to you by our pals over at eBay Motors, who have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for daily fantasy drafts or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players who are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Before I begin diving into the players this week, those in the Locked On Raptors Listener League, cover your ears. I don't want you getting this advice. It's just for me and the people not competing with me in the Locked On Raptors Listener League. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week talked yesterday about brandon pajemski there's tari eason there's grayson allen there's malachi brandon but what about james wiseman old jim the pistons are a nightmare they're so so bad we know this but they've changed up their big man rotation a little bit isaiah stewart's hurt and wiseman's produced in the last few games out Confidence is very, very low, of course. It's James Wiseman, but the numbers and the opportunity are there. So maybe, just maybe, James Wiseman is worth a pickup. Maybe you're someone like me in the Lockdown Raptors Listener League where you had Mitchell Robinson, and he's out for the year now. Very bummer news. That stinks. Maybe I'll go pick myself up some James, James Wiseman to fill in the Mitchell Robinson gaps. We shall see if that is a good strategy. Either way, Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you with your fantasy basketball championship or win your fantasy basketball championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, available to U.S. customers only, eligible items only, exclusions apply. And we continue on here. Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic, the god of the game recap, as we love to call him around here. Went to the game last night and still writing great recaps. He's the king. Um, of course, a reminder before we dive into Precious Achua's work last night, Locked On Sports 24-7 is the first of its kind daily 24-7 stream of 
Locked On Podcast. You got to go check it out. It's national shows. It's local shows covering the biggest stories. You're going to want to be there. It's just a thing to put on and have running throughout the entire day if you really want to. A great way to fill your work day if you're that type of person. Go check it out. You'll actually be directed to that channel right after you finish watching this on YouTube if you're watching on the tube. So subscribe once you're there and get that Locked On Sports national coverage all day long. Go check it out. Okay, Jamar. Precious Achua. Pretty nice game last night. 13 points. He goes uh, 4 of 5 in the fourth quarter alone. Hits that big three. Finishes 6 of 10 on the night. 13 points, 5 boards, an assist, a steal, a block, a plus 6. And he closes this game in place of Jakob Pertl. Of course, they went with the smaller lineup to close in the previous game against the Hornets with Gary Trent Jr. in there in place of Jakob Pertl. They go a little bigger, of course, with Precious Achua, offering some of the best resistance against Jokic of anyone on the team in this game. Uh, what were your impressions of Precious Achua's game in this one? I thought uh, it was just another, you know, of late, man. It's another little notch in the maybe Precious is back category. I'm not ready to totally declare it yet. Obviously, the heights of 21-22 were so high that it's going to be a lot. It might take a lot of time for people to trust that that's back, but he's been pretty darn good lately. And to me, he's like the guy I trust the most coming off the bench right now to offer something each and every night. Yeah, he had one possession in particular where he basically stonewalled Jokic trying to do anything in the post. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. I actually didn't like uh, pretty much anything from the bench in the first half. This was no. the second half we're talking about. Because yeah. the first half, it was funny. Denver's was just all comfortable running in all five bench unit. And there is the series of turnovers in the second quarter where uh, it was just bizarre. And Denver scored 10 straight points basically off transition alone. Mm -hmm. But Precious was probably the main factor in the Raptors trying to make this a game because – you know, for the most part in the third quarter, it was basically like a 20-point game. Mm -hmm. And then Precious came in, had a couple of drives, uh, even made a three late in the fourth quarter to make it a five-point game. Uh, I thought Gary and Malachi making a couple threes was good in that stretch as well. But, yeah, with Precious, when it comes to him, it's all about consistency. And, you know, he, obviously he's been in and out of the lineup the last couple seasons with like different injuries and whatnot, which he mentioned after the game. But I thought that precious, you know, even on the offensive glass, he had four offensive boards. So that was big as well that mm -hmm. I had to put back dunk, but just trying to see this more consistently from precious, like you said, can't fully trust him yet because he, you know, he's, his game has been, he's a roller coaster, man. We know exactly. This. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, and yeah, it's just, I just want to see more of it. If he could at every five games, this used to be a Nick nurse quote where, you know, it, trying to go from two good games, every five to three good games, every five mm -hmm. to four good games, every five to be a little bit more consistent. So I feel like over the last five games, precious has probably had three good games. So mm -hmm. now if we can, you know, raise that up, you know, I'm just, I'm still holding my breath because, you know, every so often you'll have those stretches where, you know, he's cutting to the rim. You can't catch a pass. It's like, it's like, what are we doing here? You know, then, and sometimes there'll be defensive slippage, but no, yesterday was a good game for Precious. He was at, he had a podium game. So, yeah. you know, when, when you're at the podium, normally you, you had a pretty decent game, even in a loss. So I'll take that. Over the last 15 games, of which Precious Achua has played 14 for the Toronto Raptors, Jamar, just 17 okay. minutes a game, which feels low. Nine points, mm -hmm. uh, six boards, 
2.2 assists. So that's like five assists per 36. That's interesting. That's like, you know, he's figuring out some of the feel stuff. They're using him at the elbows more. We saw him throw a lob to Scotty Barnes last night. That was like, okay, like this is stuff that Precious was not doing before. Obviously, the defensive end, I think he's been pretty strong as well. He opens up a lot of switching possibilities for them. He's been a perfectly cromulent uh, sort of rim protector, at least when it comes to the percentages. He's not deterring shots at the rim necessarily, but he's contesting well and makes it difficult when guys get in there. He's also shooting 37% on two threes a game. It's not nothing. That is something to keep an eye on because he's had these flashes before where it's been real. I think he should play more than 17 minutes a game at this point, man. I, I really do. And, I, you know, it's been ratcheting up a little bit in recent games here. Um, or has it? No, he's he 24 in the last game, but he's been around 17 basically all the way through the last five or 10 games. Um, yeah. More precious, man. I, I think it's not just that he's playing well, Jamar. I think it's also that he is one of the few guys on the team. When you take all the guys and throw them at the wall to see what sticks around Scotty Barnes, I think Precious might be one of the stickiest right now. And it's because of the defense. It's because of the maybe return to the three-point shot. And I think it's just because of the general fit with Scotty Barnes and sort of an idealized version of this team that I'm pretty keen on, man. Like, I've been thinking about this. Like, what is the best way to build a team around Scotty Barnes? Who are the, like, the sort of fulcrum pieces you want around Scotty Barnes to optimize what he can do? What can Scotty Barnes do? It's everything, right? He can handle the ball. He can play as a really, really devastating spot-up guy with his pull-up three now, or sorry, his catch-and-shoot three now being such a weapon that he's you know drawing closeouts. He's driving by those closeouts. He's making havoc when he gets downhill. He's obviously hitting those threes at a high rate too. He's been a very good spot-up player, and he's also a good you know small ball big as a role man. You got to have players who can fit in around those different archetypes and sort of mold their games to allow Scotty those little pockets to be in each of those different areas. And I think, obviously, we've talked about the need for like a quick guard who has a little bit of point guard chops, but who can also play off the ball. My Emmanuel quickly fixation is not going anywhere. I think Pascal Siakam is proving that like a post hub working around Scotty Barnes to free him up and work him off ball a little bit is a really valuable thing. And I think a spacing center who can also offer some defensive versatility, that's another beautiful thing. I've been so keen on Miles Turner for years now. If Precious Achua can kind of replicate 70% of Miles Turner... You might be cooking with gas, and over the last little while, he's kind of doing that. Um, that maybe they have some of the guys who are already the ideal fits with Scotty Barnes already in house. And I, you know, Pascal, people know how I feel about that. Those two dudes continue to have a great two man game, and they should have run it way more down the stretch of the last night's game because when those two dudes link up on a possession, it usually leads to points, and they just did not tap into that enough. But the precious stuff, the fact that he's closing, the fact that he's looking pretty good in these lineups with Pascal and Scotty. I don't know, man. I'm getting uh, rather intrigued by what the sort of future might hold for him, is if this is really something he can sustain. One thing, you mentioned the passing, and he yeah. only had the one assist in this game with the lob to Scotty, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But it is something I have noticed more and more this season. He had five assists against the Hawks, the bad game, the, the, the game that the Raptors lost. He also had five assists against the Pistons. And that's probably when I first noticed it, because mm-hmm. he's kind of in the high post area, finding cutters, and stuff like that. And that's something you did not see with Precious in the past. He was more so a finisher or he would just catch, like, you know, quick decision type possessions where he'd just catch and drive or, you know, shoot shoot an open three or something like that. So that is something Darko mentioned after that Pistons game. He's like, that's the first thing he mentioned, he noticed about Precious is that, you know, his passing ability, which is like, huh? Mm -hmm. But it is something that Darko has tried to open up, and he's given Precious opportunities when he's in these uh, 
uh, second unit lineups to, you know, kind of find guys a little bit. So I feel like that's going to be more utilized more and more. And especially if he's uh, playing with guys like Scotty and Pascal and if Precious has the ball, it might give him more opportunities to find guys like, like he did with Scotty on a lob uh, last night. So that's just something to notice as well. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, changing up the lineups and, and sort of tinkering with stuff, you know, we don't know if this is working. Maybe it's not quite enough space, but if you're looking at swapping out Yaka Pirtle, you know, the first blush is, oh, maybe Gary Trent Jr. slides in, but maybe that's Precious's job. Maybe Precious slides in in place of Yaka Pirtle. He's a Possibly. little more spacey, obviously, than Yaka Pirtle is. He's only 31% on the season. Teams aren't going to care if he's shooting threes, but he can actually knock them down, it seems. And mm-hmm. you have just like the defensive wall of OG, Siakam, Barnes, and Precious. I mean... That's a switching defense's heaven right there. You can really, I think, address their very porous perimeter defense by including a little bit more switching. And I think Precious allows that more than Yaka Pirtle does at this point. So maybe that's something there. Maybe you just go full scorched earth and bench both Dennis and Yaka and bring in Gary and Precious and go crazy. I would not be opposed to that. That sounds super fun and weird. But uh, one way or another, Precious Achua is, to me, outside of Scotty Barnes, probably the second brightest light of the season, at least of late, um, in terms of like individual player performances and what it means for the long haul. Um, it's pretty good stuff. We'll come back to the other side, Jamar. We're going to round it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm that we round out every single Raptors recap episode of the pod. We will do that in just one second. But first, today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And look, it's a difficult time of year, right? It's dark, it's wintry, it's the very busy holiday season. You're reckoning with your New Year's resolutions, if that's a thing you partake in. There's a lot of introspection, there's a lot of stuff going on. And it's nice to have someone to talk to about all of that stuff right now. And you can give yourself the gift of taking care of yourself and having someone to lean on with a, a, a sort of insights and thoughts about what motivates you, what the best decisions for you are by going and trying therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInMBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedInMBA. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedInMBA. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we round up the show here. Jamar Hines is along, breaking down the uh, Toronto Raptors lost to the Denver Nuggets, 113-104. They fall to 11-16 and on the season. You know, let's perk our spirits here, Jamar. We're going to do the good, the bad, and the hmm. We got the good stuff that we liked from the game, the bad stuff we didn't like from the game, and the hmm, the stuff that has us intrigued for future things to come. What you got for your good in this one, Jamar? My good is that third quarter pass from Scotty Barnes is like three quarters of the court. Oh my God, man. Yeah. Aaron Gordon Gordon was kind of just like, you know, running alongside him. So Mm -hmm. 
you know, it could have been deflect. It could have been deflected. It wasn't like Scotty was by himself. So yeah, but he throws a left hand all the way down the court to Siakam for the layup. That's one of Scotty's best passes I've seen. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. So that play alone is my good. I'm just keeping it real simple. I I think that's an outstanding choice because that really kind of knocked me on my seat. I was sitting down watching the game, but if I wasn't, I would have had to sit down after watching that pass. Uh, my good. The half-court offense, not a thing I thought I would say at all this season, Jamar, right? It's crazy. But last night, 106.3 half-court offensive rating. They outscored the Nuggets in half-court situations in the game last night. Pretty stunning stuff. And I've been talking about this a little bit. There's just been a steady progression for the half-court offense. You know, there's all the concern about Darko Ryakovich and his rotations, and I think that's justified concern. But and obviously the defense is not what you want either. It doesn't feel like they have much of a plan or an identity. But the offense, I think, unquestionably knows what it wants to do. And I've made this point a couple times recently, but I'll reiterate. I don't feel like their offensive off nights now are tied to a total inability to get stuff going in the half court. It feels way more tied to like three point shooting variants, whether they get bench production and just the overall sort of health of the offense. They're getting good stuff most times down the floor a lot of that's through scotty and pascal of course but the progression of their half court offense has been notable on uh since i mean on the season they're 25th in half court offense not very good but since november the 22nd they're 21st since december the 1st they're 19th and since december the 8th your toronto raptors have the 10th best half court offense in the nba it's a small sample of games of course but there has been steady incremental progress for the half court offense throughout the season and i think as much as we criticize a lot of the coaching stuff you have to credit it's kind of working and they're doing it with a pretty limited roster in terms of skill sets and they have yet they've still kind of managed to carve out a decent enough offense that if their defense can ever ever get it figured out this team could be in pretty good shape of course the defense feels a bit of a long way from getting things figured out jamar what's your bad from this game can I completely do a 180 on what you just said and question something coaching-wise right now? Please do. Go nuts. <laughs> um, no, I just I just feel like the Siakam stuff is still weird. You mentioned uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. the late sub when the Raptors were getting back into the game. And then it's it, it still – there's still spots for Siakam that feels clunky in terms of how to get him going offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, it still seems like – there's a reliance that Siakam will spot, will spot up and hit a open three when he's only shooting 26% from three this season. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm still trying to find ways how, you know, you could optimize Scotty and still have Pascal at his best. As, at, at, and it's all, I, I know that a lot of that is dependent on what's around those two. It's not mm-hmm. just to say those two alone, but in ways, when you look at Pascal's numbers, he's still averaging 21 points a game. He's mm-hmm. actually shooting 50% from the field. Something he's he a hasn't, twos machine. Yeah, something mm-hmm. he hasn't done since the championship year. So mm-hmm. there are positives in regards to that. And this is not real more. This is more so a question mark as opposed to a bad. But I just feel like he could still be used better. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I, I think, yeah, asking him to take five threes in a game is probably not what you want. You know, that's part of that is the flow of the offense and where it comes. Right. That said, you know, still six of 11 on twos last night, kind of doing his two point thing. And frankly, I think it gets easier because Scotty Barnes is a high volume 38% three point shooter now, right? Like there are right. ways you can work around that. Like I said, kind of last segment, 
I think using Pascal as a post hub, as much as the whole post up thing, you know, oh no, you can't do that. It's selfish basketball or whatever the dumb discourse was coming out of last year. Uh, I, I think it just is undeniably effective basketball for this team, especially when Scotty Barnes is so devastating as a spot up guy right now. And so I think to your point, it's more about what's around those two guys. I think Scotty and Pascal, I've made this point before, but I think the overlap between them is kind of not what it used to be. And they kind of do different things in different areas of the floor, mostly a testament right. to Scotty kind of being a jack of all trades. And I just think you have to find a way to, um, you know, insert a little bit more in terms of complementary skill sets for those guys. Dennis Schroeder ain't it right now. Yaka Pertle ain't it right now. OG Ananobi ain't it if he's not hitting his threes, which he hasn't of late. Um, but those two guys, I feel good about that as a backbone of a team. Beyond that, that's where all the questions kind of come in for me. Um, but yeah, the Pascal five minute, you know, sub in the fourth quarter, like it's too late. Like the game's in the balance. Get the best offensive scorer you have on the like on the team in the game against the Denver Nuggets. I, I feel like they shouldn't be waiting this long to get him in. Yes, they rode him deep into the third quarter, but he still only comes out with 36 minutes played in this game. Like I feel like they could have probably brought him back in around seven or eight when Jokic and Murray checked back in after the bench did a pretty admirable job to claw the Raptors back in. My bad for this game, Jamar, uh, in the sort of same vein as the half-court offense, the transition offense. Not been good lately, and it was miserable last night. Arguably the reason they lost the game, an 81.3 offensive rating in transition last night. Just not good enough. Like, this team needs to live in transition, and typically over the course of this season, it has, but that's fallen on hard times of late, too. As the offense has gotten better since around November 22nd, the last month or so, the D, the, the transition offense itself has gotten worse. It's been uh, the 22nd in transition offense since November the 22nd which is not where this team can be, right? Like they were killing it. They were the best transition team in basketball for a long stretch to start the year. That's fallen off. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Scotty's still a maestro. Siakam's still a great finisher on the run. I don't know where the extra misses and duffed possessions are coming from. Really, I probably have to go back and kind of really dig into the transition stuff for this team to figure out what's happening there. But uh, that's been a thing. It's been a sore spot. And it was very much a sore spot last night that cost them the game. What's your hmm from this game, Jamar? Well, we've already talked about it a little bit, and I said off the top that I should have maybe talked about this as my hmm. But mm. Darko's just answers to the to the line of questions last night just had me thinking because, like I said, the conventional wisdom has been to uh, bring Shooter off the bench so that he could lead the second lineup. Since you know his usage rate tends to be higher, it, mm. it kind of felt like that made sense and have another shooter in Gary play alongside Scotty and Pascal and run Scotty at the point, which a lot of people have been asking for all off season, just to see, even if it doesn't work, just to see what it looks like. Yeah. So that was the conventional wisdom, but just hearing Darko yesterday, more specifically talk about Jakob makes me feel like they would go small. And you brought up a great point as well about, you know, precious and how good he's been playing lately. So maybe Gary doesn't come in still, and maybe they bring in precious, but I just feel like something, I just want to see a change of some sort. And then, okay, if it doesn't work, at least you're experimenting. I mean, you're mm -hmm. 11 and 16, right? <laughs> so it's not it's not like you have to worry about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It is broke. Mm -hmm. When you haven't won a quarter, a first quarter, the entire month, yeah, it's broken. <laughs> so I would like to see some sort of change. Darko has been very reluctant to do this. 
But if he does make a change, now I wonder what change he's going to make. Because I felt like it was kind of obvious, but maybe not as much after listening to him. Yeah, you would hope that like middling to decent results in a single game don't push back the decision that we all know needs to be made at some point here by another three, four, five, ten games. But that's it feels like that's happened, right? Like every time it's gotten like close to the breaking point of, oh, the starters are so bad. It's undeniable. They have to change. Them. They'll have a good game. And it's like, well, okay, uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks, I guess. Maybe not the way I would go about things, uh, you know, kind of using one game little samples here and there to justify keeping a lineup together that does not work. But here we are. Let me just pull up the lineup, the, the numbers for the starters uh, very quickly here. Per our friends over at Cleaning the Glass, it's uh, been a rough scene. It has been really for most of the season. Of course, we know this, but a little update. Yeah, the, Ra the Raptors starter is still a minus 4.7 net rating uh not good jamar they've played mm. 697 possessions together that's a lot of possessions it's like a fifth of all of the possessions that the raptors have had this season have been that lineup or better than more than a fifth almost a quarter it's not good they're the second most used lineup in all of basketball and they're a minus 4.7 something's got to give man and, and i'm i'm hopeful if I'm going to weave in my hmm, I didn't really have a hmm because I feel like we're not learning a whole lot and that itself is a hmm. But my hmm here is they closed two straight games without Yaka Pertle. Maybe this is a signal that some kind of flex is coming on how they're rolling out these lineups. So we'll see. We're going to wrap it there. Jamar, thanks so much for hanging out, buddy. This was great. No Anything problem. you want to promote for the good people out there? Yeah, I have a recap of this game up on Raptors Republic right now that you can take yep. in. Uh, I also am going to do a preview for the Jazz game on Saturday and a recap on Sunday. Thank you so much for tuning in, Jamar. I hope you have a lovely holiday, my man. We'll talk to you again in the new year, of course. Uh, go check out all Jamar's great recaps and every other thing he writes over at Raptors Republic. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's always appreciated when you do that. We're on YouTube, of course. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. Never miss an episode. We'll be back again tomorrow with Dave Dufour from The Athletic and the Nerder She Wrote podcast and, of course, assistant coaching the Georgian national basketball team at the FIBA World Cup this past summer. Dude knows his ball. We're going to try to talk defense. We also, I've already recorded it, so I can tell you, we don't just talk defense. We meander all over the place when it comes to the Raptors because Dave's really smart. And I wanted to pick his brain on a whole bunch of Raptors-y things. So give that to look forward to on Friday's podcast. Until then, thank you so much for hanging. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.